Welcome to Unity of Tucson. This whole month we have been talking about power because that is one of the 12 powers of that have been identified by Charles Fillmore, and we utilize within the unity movement these 12 powers, and this month has been the power of power, which always rings odd to my ear. But I'm just going to go with it. So it's the power of power, right? So we have the power. That's what we just sang, right? What happens when you feel powerless? What happens when you feel powerless? It's depressing, Yeah. It's been a challenging week to be a minister. It's been a really challenging week to be a minister. And before I get into all the details, um, I had prepped my entire talk, and then, you know, I was, before rehearsal, I went on to Facebook, and you know how Facebook, it comes up with your memories? It's like, oh, things you've posted in years past. Well, I posted this three years ago today, And it just felt like, oh, this is what it is. It reads like this is a graphic meme that was going around amongst ministers. It says, going to seminary, I think, is a lot like going to culinary school. You learn the basic foundations, some cool party tricks, and by the end, you can prepare a gourmet meal. Pastoring, however is waking up every day to a new episode of Chopped, (laughs) where the ingredients are completely random and you're expected to do something with whatever you're handed while everyone watches and provides running commentary and occasionally something explodes. (laughs) This was one of those weeks where (laughs) there seemed to be a lot of explosions happening, just in my life. Um, A lot of people going through uh, significant family experiences that were reaching out to me this week. A lot of grief has been expressed this week, not just because of what happened in Texas, but that certainly has contributed to all of it. And so it's been a challenging week to be a minister. It's been a challenging week to remember I've got the power and I am not powerless. And it's very easy sometimes to fall into that mental space of powerlessness. but I do the work. That's what's important, to know that in doing the work, I rise above any condition because conditions do not have power. Conditions do not have power. There is one thing that has and is power, and that is God. The essence of all creation, the core of our being, We are the power. It's not even that we got the power. We are the power. We are that presence. We are the light. We are the life. We are the love of God. And as we align and embody these principles more and more and more, then challenges like we've faced this week as a nation, and frankly, as a world community, because, you know, we're pretty, we kind of think we're the only thing going on in this country a lot of the time. We're not. I lived in Canada for six years. We are really not the only thing that's going on in this world. But what happened this week can make, 
can, can lead to a consciousness of feeling powerlessness. And I am here to say we are not, we are not, we are not devoid of power, ever. So while it's been a challenging week for me this week as a minister, I wouldn't change it for the world. I have found the path that is right for me. I have done a lot of work on myself so that I am able to support others through the times that we're experiencing, times like these. I am constantly choosing to put the mask on myself in order to support others, and that's the important thing. We all must put the mask on ourselves if we want to support others. You know what I'm referring to, right, in the plane? The mask drops, put it on you first, because you're no good to anybody if you pass out. So our work is to be caring primarily for ourselves, to be affirming primarily for ourselves, and to be loving primarily towards ourselves so that we have the capacity to spread that stuff out into the world. One of the people that I spoke with this week was feeling a tremendous amount of challenge and kept talking about God as the soup. He has the soup, right? The consciousness soup. And there, there, there was a question that came up when they were discussing with me this idea. The question was, what happens when we go back to the soup? Does that which makes us us disappear into the soup? And I said, no, it can't. It can't. The nature of us, the individualization that is us, the spirit that is us lives on eternally. And so even when we're done on this plane of action, we shed this physical presence, we shed this physical body, we are still ourselves in the infinite. It can't not be that way because, you know why I know that? Because we exist. So when, I, when we were talking about this soup, and, and I explained this to this person, and, and there was a great deal of relief that this person felt around, oh, so there is more to my individualization than just this. Yes. You're like one of the letters in an alphabet soup. The letter never ceases to be, even in the soup. That's why today's called alphabet soup, the message. We must care for ourselves as individualizations of the most magnificent energy there can be or ever will be. We are that power. We are that presence. When the events unfolded on Tuesday, late Tuesday, I really started to struggle with how am I going to address this first and foremost in my own heart and then walk perhaps a community through a way of addressing it. So on my video, which Kathy referenced, uh, I do a video, live video every day, Monday through Friday. Well, it's not always live. But it was live this day. On Wednesday, I did my live video, and I talked about what had happened in Texas, and a lot of people responded back 
um, with questions and thoughts and ideas. And um, one of the questions that really caught my eye led me to what I had to say on Thursday on my live video. And the question was this, referencing all that we're experiencing. And it's more than just what happened in Texas. It's referencing the war in Ukraine. It's referencing the seeming challenges we have on this planet right now. The question was this, where is God in this? Where is God in this? And I gave that question a lot of thought. And I had an answer on Thursday's video. And the answer is this. The question of where is God in this is not the right question. The question should be, where am I in this? We teach a principle in this community, in this movement, that God is all there is. There can be nothing separate from God. God is it. God is the creative energy of the universe. God is not the man sitting on a cloud with a long white beard. That is not what God is. God is a principle, a creative energy. It is love, it is light, it is life. And it cannot be separate from anything because that's what infinite means. And so if we think we are somehow separate from God, then God is no longer infinite. It is finite, and so are we. And the degree to which we believe in that separation is the degree to which we continue to experience discord in this expression of life. And so, let us cease asking where God is in this. Let us begin asking, where am I in this? We teach a principle that says there can be emancipation from discord globally, universally. We can cease discord. That is a goal that is sure to be attained, we suggest. The only way we do that is through the third part, ultimately, of our mission statement, and that is for each and every one of us to remember who we are. For when we know the truth about ourselves, we cannot look upon another person and not know it about them. This sounds a little angry today, and I'm not meaning for it to sound angry. I'm not angry. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, I'm getting kind of like, I'm getting jazzed up. That's what it is. Here's what I know. You ready? <laughs> Big lead up to something that's going to be like, oh, well, of course we know that. Here's what I know. Life is goodness infinitely expanding. Life itself is goodness infinitely expanding despite the seeming contrary evidence in form. Kathy is absolutely right. Everything that happens is either an act of love or an act of someone looking for love. We hold truth, we hold as truth in this philosophy that there is no evil, there is no evil power. There cannot be evil power. There can be a misuse of the infinite power of love that may be a misguided idea that is rooted in that longing for love, that which we want so desperately to express and experience. But for some reason, we have forgotten who we are, and so we cease to understand that love is innate. 
Is the world inherently less safe now? Because I hear this all the time. It's like, oh my gosh, it just feels like things keep going down and down and down. The world's getting less safe and less safe and less safe. But do you know what? There are these people, they're called statisticians. You ever hear of those people? They keep track of things that happen, and then they quantify them using numbers. There was a, a, there was a thing that I read years ago now, actually. It was probably in relationship to another event like we had this week, where it really was a question, is the world inherently less safe now than it was? And the answer that was deduced was no. The world is actually safer now than it ever has been. Why does it feel different? Because we have more access to know what is happening. We hear about it more. And so, the more we take on the hearing about it, the more we can let the circumstances rule our consciousness, therefore giving power to the circumstances, which in and of themselves have no power, rather than knowing we are the power. We live in experiences and expressions of polarity, different than duality, because we do not teach duality in a philosophy called unity. Get it? But we do live in an experience of polarity. Well, what does that mean? What is the difference? Duality is that idea that there is a power separate from us, that we have no control or no choice in the expression and experience of our lives because we have to be beholden to that power outside of the self. That's duality. Polarity means everything has its opposite and we are always at choice in how we choose to move forward in life. So for every north, there is a south. For every right, there is a left. Or for you, for every right, there is a left. (laughs) For every top, there is a bottom. Everything has polarity. For every front, there is a back. Everything expresses in polarity. And we are always, 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 100% of the time, making choices about how we express in that polarity. And we're making those decisions. We're engaged in those choices, whether we have an awareness of them or not. So today, what will you do to bring to awareness that which may be lurking below the surface that can make your life better by making a different decision. This week, the experiences of this week have brought up a lot of memories for me. In this country, we have been witness to many, many of these kinds of events. The end of my very first year of ministry in December of 2012, I worked with a community to address the Sandy Hook experience. I was living in Canada, and it was very, very, very challenging up there. Because here's the thing in Canada, they're like, I don't get, like, why? Why why does this happen? I said, well, there are a lot of reasons we could get into. I'm not going to get into a political discussion. But there are choices that we have made as a collective that perhaps are not in alignment with the best expression of life that we can have. So there was Sandy Hook. Now, there are two of the most publicized events of this nature that I have one degree of separation from. One of them was the shooting in Tucson. I went to school with Ron Barber's daughter. I know that family. 
And the other one was the shooting at the Pulse nightclub in 2016. Because I'm, in, because I'm a member of the LGBTQIA community and knew a lot of the people that were in that community worked at that bar. I am one degree of separation from two of the most highly publicized gun events in this country. And I started thinking, even being a degree of separation from one of them is too much. So what do I do? How do I choose to move forward? What is mine to do in this? I started to consider, I'm gonna talk a little bit about what happened when Pulse happened. Um, I started to consider my own space, my own mental construct of fear that I was living with. And I started to ask myself, am I safe in this world? As a member of a marginalized community, am I safe in this world? And then, of course, in that time, there comes this article that is titled, What It Costs to Be Gay in Public. Living my truth is inherently political, not by my choice. Living my truth is inherently political. To be an out person in this world, in this country, is, is political. But I'm not here to talk about politics. What I'm here to say is every single one of us should acknowledge and accept the truth of who we are and live that wholeheartedly, irrespective of the way anybody else thinks about it. When I had the experience of knowing people in that particular venue and having heard the news, and I'm gonna tell you a little bit about how I heard the news because it was kind of a challenge for me in that regard as well. All of a sudden, the world felt dangerous. You ever experienced that where the world feels dangerous? I had a wonderful aha moment. The aha moment was this. It was my state of mind, and only my state of mind, that allowed the world to feel dangerous. That's it. My state of mind, my reaction to that which was out there, led me to start to believe in an unsafe world. Well, my beliefs create my experience, so who will I choose to be today? While bondage what we call bondage, the, while bondage is an experience in form, there is an infinite reality to which bondage does not exist. It can't exist in the infinite. That reality is a place in our own hearts, that untouched place within each and every one of us and we sometimes forget that that exists. Today, I'm calling on each and every one of us to remember that love exists at the core of each and every one of us. And the more we allow that love to radiate and express and be the point of view from which we engage with this world, what we find is that fear dissipates. That's what I have found. I'm looking at my notes and I'm like, I don't want to talk about that next part. 
Actually, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> because, you know, as, as members of a spiritual community, um, we often talk about issues of morality a lot. And I think we get confused sometimes about what morality actually is. Morality is not an activity, although activity flows forth from a construct of morality. Morality is an attitude. It is an attitude of recognition that all members of this life force energy that we are experiencing are worthy and valuable. That's morality. True morality is born by seeing the full humanity of all people. It is an embodiment, not an intellectual understanding. And I think we get separated from that idea by going, look at that person over there and what they did, and thinking that that somehow assigns a value to them that is not in alignment with the truth of who they are, which is God. I'm saying it's a tall order. It can be a very tall order, but I've committed my life to understanding that no matter what I see in the world, every single person is God expressing whether they know it or not. And usually when they are experiencing the, and expressing in ways that don't feel so good, it's because they don't know who they are. That's the only thing I can understand is that they do not know who they are. So my job is not to go over there and beat them over the head and say, you need to know who you are. It's to say, I choose to know who they are, and I am a radiant, vibrant light of love that as I express and understand this about every single person I see and experience in this world, they will come to understand it to such a degree that it cannot be questioned. This is how I see every single person in this room. Every time I look upon your magnificent faces, I see only one thing, and that is the face of God. And let us never forget that that is who we are always experiencing. That is who we are always encountering. That is who we are always interacting with. It is always God interacting with God. And you know what? This is not anything new. It's not. We've been talking about this stuff for way too long, trying to help humanity understand the truth of its nature. There is a musical, yes, I'm going to talk about a musical now. There is a musical that was written back in the 1940s, the late 1940s, called South Pacific. Anyone know that show? I love that show. It's a very challenging show, and it is dealing with a lot of very heavy issues. But there is a conversation that happens in a song that goes like this. You've got to be taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your dear little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made and people whose skin is of a different shade. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught before it's too late, before you are six or seven or eight, to hate all the people your relatives hate. You've got to be carefully taught. How many of us are still living with the things we were taught as children that are not in alignment with knowing the truth of who we are? Let us today, once and for all, get rid of that notion to let it go, to put it to the dustbin of history where it belongs, and step forth to know the truth of who we are. I had another... Thank you. I had another really challenging part of this week. So I mentioned before that um, when I learned about the Pulse experience, 
Um, I was actually not, I was actually in Guatemala when that happened. And so I had another experience this week that seemed to be a little bit in alignment, and it was FOMO. You know what that is? Fear of missing out. And it's because a group that I have frequently traveled to Guatemala with and volunteered at this boarding school um, with in the jungles of the Rio Dulce River area, they were all there this week, and I kept seeing their videos come up on Facebook, and I'm just, oh, I just, I'm so looking forward to the day that I get to go back and be supportive and, and serve in Guatemala once again. So my peers are spending the week in Guatemala, and I was there, like I said, when the Pulse shooting happened. I was in Guatemala teaching 250 children back then in 2016 the song that was written by a friend of mine that said this, Wherever you are, you are home. Wherever you are, you are home. And so I ask the question again, where is God in all this? Right where you are, right in your home. And what is important is that we truly ask the question, where am I? In all this, it is up to us and no one else to emancipate ourselves from discord. It is up to us to serve as examples of love and light. It is up to us to change the world. You know why? Because love will always win. Always. Period. End of sentence. You are magnificent. Peace and blessings. Thank you. The homework this week. What? <laughs> yes, there's still homework. Sorry, I know it's a holiday weekend, but there's still homework. I want every one of us to go out and be a spark this week. What does spark mean to me? Spiritual practice in acts of random kindness. Spiritual practice in acts of random kindness. I love my, um, what are they called? Acronyms. I'm like antonyms, that's not right. <laughs> I love my acronyms. So to, this week, I would like you to find a way every single day to pay it forward in some way. You get to decide what that is. That's the homework this week. Be a spark. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz. And I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.